Welcome to the Trauma Tapes. I'm Dr. MC McDonald, a PhD trauma researcher, author, and life coach. I'm here with my sister, Elizabeth Meadows. On this podcast, we read your letters, give you advice, and help you heal without shame. Before we get into this week's episode, I have a really exciting announcement. I wrote a book. It's called Unbroken, The Trauma Response is Never Wrong, and it is available for pre-order right now. You can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, any of your indie bookstores, wherever you buy books. It's about trauma, the trauma response, shame, and how to heal. I can't wait for you to read it, and I can't wait to hear what you think. Hi, welcome back to The Trauma Tapes. Hi, Lisa. Hi, how are you doing? Good, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. Um, We were talking about whether there's any ranting to do. What are you thinking? What's on your mind? I'm just thinking of, of you know, we're, the letter that we're reading this week um, is kind of about shame that's like coming from inside the house, you know, like, yeah. and I've been thinking about just as we read these letters and, and talk to more people and the more I think about shame, like how much of it is just like so insidious and like underground, you know, yeah. like you can be ashamed of something that is like really, really in huge influential ways changing your behavior and, and your view of the world and like kind of not be aware of it. Yeah. Yeah. When you, when you use that inside the house, I think of that like classic, like horror movie, like when the phone rings (laughs) and the, the the madman or the killer or whatever is inside the house, like, yeah, that's the visual, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Which is terrifying. It is terrifying. That's scream, right? Is that that movie? I don't know. I I don't watch those, but like, I, I remember (laughs) like the commercial, like, like that, you know, scene playing out. Drew Barrymore. Yeah. Yeah. But, and like, we, I think there's so much, um, we all run around like assuming that everything is totally fully conscious for us. Like the only things that are motivating our behavior or shaping our worldview, like we, we have total conscious awareness and control over. Yeah. And the more I think about trauma and the more I think about shame, it's just like, yeah, no, like (laughs) (laughs) that would be cute, but no. Right. Not so much. Yeah. We'd like to think we're that, um, evolved, but we're not. No, we're not. And that's like, I think it's actually kind of fun because it's like, this is how I'm so like twisted sometimes, but, um, the, the journey of self-discovery does not end ever. Like, yeah, you never reach a place where you're like, well, I've got it all. I know myself. I, Mm -hmm. all of the things are conscious and I'm fully in control and aware you can get a lot closer. You can get a lot more conscious, but it's, 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 yeah, it's humbling being human. I think a lot of people stop the journey though. Oh, and, yeah. and then they become people you don't want to spend time with <laughs> right, right. <laughs> because they get locked into the, like one way of like, okay, I figured it out and this is who I am. And this is the way the world should look and, mm-hmm. you know, come hell or high water. I, I'm not going to change. I'm not going to yeah. grow. I'm not going to yeah. learn. They've, they've replaced the curiosity with rigidity and then that's it. It's like all over. Yeah. Yeah. And those are not happy people. No. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to jump right into the letter? Sure. Okay. Dear Trips, I'm not ashamed about something I've done. It's something I haven't done. I have never attracted someone. I'm 32 and I've never been kissed, never had a boyfriend, never even been on a date. I'm overweight and I have masculine features. I have a really rich life otherwise. Great friends. I love my job, but I feel like I'm missing out on a part of life that everyone around me gets to take part in. 
So many movies and conversations revolve around past relationships and bad dates. And I'm usually just silent and praying no one asks me about my past. Usually they don't. I think because they assume I haven't had any. They're right, but there's shame there too. I'm ashamed that no one could ever think of me in a romantic way. The idea of putting myself out there to be rejected makes me feel sick. What do I put on my dating profile? Fat, manly, and lonely? Do I give up and just tell people I'm asexual when they ask? Ooh. Yeah. I'm so sorry. I know. What's the first thing that comes to mind other than that? <sighs> Same. Well, a couple, you know, that it makes me sad. I, I, I feel terrible for this person and that that's the, um, the way they feel about themselves. And what also comes to mind is that, um, not everyone has, you know, follows the same path and that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know? And I think we still like they, you know, they said movies and conversations revolve around this. You do this at this age, you do that at that age, you have these experiences or, and if you don't, then you're not worthy, you're not valuable. And it's, it's like, where's the room for other paths? Where's the room for a different journey, you know? And it's kind of like what we've been talking about in the past couple of weeks, like society and social media and the world and art forms, like have this like one approach a lot of the time. And it's, it's not a one size fits all situation. Right. Right. You know? I think of dad saying to me, you know, I, I didn't get married until I was 40. Like, yeah. you, this is not a train that you've missed. Like, right. but I get that feeling of like, everyone is like hitting these milestones that, yeah. that I have not. And mm-hmm. what's wrong with me? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's always the thing, right? Like, this is the way that like shame is adaptive. It's asking this question from an earnest place. What's wrong with me that I don't see? What's right. the thing? What is the thing that's going to set me away from the in-group and put me in danger. Right. And it's, the answer is nothing, but right. You're, there's a part of you that's very like primitive. That's asking that question from a survival place, you know? Right. It's very, very real. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why that feel the response to it feels so intense. Do you know about this term pretty privilege? No, this has been kind of floating around a lot recently that, um, it's basically this idea that people who are deemed attractive based on whatever the norm is at the moment, uh, have an easier time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's totally a thing. Yeah. Like you are treated differently when you're deemed attractive. There's, I mean, there's, there's research on this. This is like, we, we don't even need to debate it. It's a, it's a real thing. And I right. think when you're, when you're in a place that values a type of, that you are not, it's, that's really hard. Right. But I, uh, yeah. Now, and I think we, we think we've come so far, but we really haven't. No. The same rules apply, mm-hmm. you know, like we were talking about last week, like, okay, maybe there's a little more size inclusivity and, you know, but there are parameters around that. Like it's, yeah, oh, totally. you we have be. to like fundamentally change the way we think. And, and we can't is flattening everything. We, we assume that like the only reason that we're attracted to somebody is because of their aesthetic and that right. there is only one aesthetic that is attractive. And that actually shapes our attraction when we believe that 
and when right. all of the images that come in are the same. And when there's nothing out there that, that looks like you, then of course you feel like you don't fit. Right. Because the world is telling you that you don't, but it's not right. true. And I think, you know, 32, going back to the chronology thing that you mentioned a minute ago, like there is not a, it's so funny that this comes up because I was watching this, um, this kind of this TikTok person and I watched like a whole bunch of her videos in a row because she was in a very similar situation. I don't remember her age, but she was, her whole TikTok account was about not ever having been on a date. And she was in her thirties, whatever her age was. And then she got a first date and then her TikTok became about how do I get ready for this first date? What do I do? Blah, blah, blah. And the community was really supportive of her. And she now is dating this guy and has a boyfriend. And I don't say that story to say that this is what's going to happen for you. But I think like, it's not, you're not the only person who's this age without that experience. But right when we stick to this chronology of everyone around me is hitting these milestones and I'm missing them, then we were kind of flattening everything. You know what I mean? Right. What does she do? I think she focuses on the things, the parts of her life that are great. I mean, she says she has a really rich life. Otherwise mm-hmm. great friends and she loves her job. So is it possible to let go of the nagging, you know, train that you think you've missed mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or how, or how do you do that? Mm-hmm. I, I also think like to, to kind of take on the shame directly, like you, you don't actually get to decide whether you're attractive to other people. Right. And I don't mean that in a flip way because I know people who are overweight or who have masculine features when we're in a moment where we really appreciate feminine features um, are, you know, probably bullied and told that they're not attractive. But just because you've had that experience in the past doesn't mean you are not attractive. And I think sometimes I've seen this in clients many times when you go into a situation believing that no one will find you attractive. You put out a certain energy that is dismissive or disconnected, or you're keeping people at an arm's length. And so there isn't that opportunity to get to know you. It's a barrier. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. And I think, you know, I, it's really painful to not fit the societal norm. And I don't want to just dismiss this and say like, Oh, I'm sure you're beautiful and all this other stuff because you know, I want to take the letter writer at their word. Like this is, this is where they're at and they have gotten this feedback or they, you know, this doesn't come from nowhere. Right. Right. But I think that like, still you don't get to decide whether people are going to find you attractive. That's for them to decide. And I think attraction is really complicated. I think the most attractive thing is confidence. A hundred percent. The most hands down attractive thing. And that could even be perceived as masculine sometimes. Right. Oh, that's such a good point. You know, it's um, someone who is comfortable in their skin and authentic and to the ground and not arrogant, not, not a narcissist Mm -hmm. confidence is so attractive. Yep. Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I'm thinking, and I don't want to call anybody out by name, but I'm thinking of like celebrities and and people who kind of hit the mainstream who are really outside the norm. Right. But who are really attractive because of the way they carry themselves and their uh, swagger and confidence. And you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. I feel like we're both thinking of specific people. We are. (laughs) Who are you thinking of? We won't say. 
I mean, I think okay. of like Adrian Brody. I think of the guy on um, the bear. Like, I, that's exactly what I was thinking of. And that's so funny because I watched something with Adrian Brody last night. Yeah. Oh, you did? Oh, yeah. Okay. I think he's so attractive. Yeah, but conventionally not, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's this whole thing with the face mapping and the symmetry and the, yeah, you know, yeah. there's it's a formula, basically. Right. Right. That, you know, some certain features in certain places are more pleasing mm-hmm. for whatever reason. And right. yeah, that, that's, uh, that's funny. Yeah. That's, that is funny. I'm trying to think of women, you know, who comes to mind is the, um, although she kind of had like a glow up is the, the woman from my big fat Greek wedding. I can't remember her name. Mia. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. You know, who she kind of made her career on being like, okay, I have a big nose. I have this hair. Like, I am not just a skinny, tiny woman, you know, like, and still she's gorgeous. Yeah. I think if you start looking at like um, anyone, you know, or a lot of people in uh, actors specifically, and if you start picking them apart feature by feature, you'll realize that there's, um, there's kind of an overall, mm-hmm. um, confidence, like there, there's something attractive that's not necessarily directly related to mm-hmm. conventional, you know, attractiveness, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like we were watching, um, have you heard of poker face? Everyone's talking about it. No. Um, I think the actress is Natasha Leon. She oh, was yeah. on, she was an orange is the new black yep. and she's the star of this. And so we watched the first episode last night, which had Adrian Brody in it. Oh, that- um, and like, I, I, another one. yes, exactly. Exactly. We have to think of women though. Um, uh, and I, you know, I thought afterwards, like, God, she's just like, got it. Like, like whatever that star quality is yeah. like, I, you know, like she's just has this like presence that's, yeah. you know, kind of like jumps out, out at you. Yeah. So, it, and it's not always about like the, the conventional rules. Right. 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 And could you play, so if you have masculine features, could you play with that instead of trying to hide them in shame, could you bring them out and see if that doesn't result in a style that really suits who you are? Right. That then enables you to kind of feel like uh, at home in your own skin, you know? Right. Or take the way that you feel in the, the arenas of your life that you feel good about, like your job and your friendships and kind of stay there if possible, you know? Well, and, and to even build on that, I think like what, so I want you to make a list of what do you bring to the table that has nothing to do with looks, right? Because you're bringing a lot to the table because you've got other, I mean, if you're, you you have other areas of your life that you're succeeding in and feel good, you're bringing value to those situations. So what is that? Right. Are you empathetic? Do you notice details? Are you there for other people? Are you like, what is, I want to know more. What is your job? You know, why are you good at it? What are your, how do you show up as a friend? You know? Right. Um, and I, th- because those are like accomplishments, like friendships and, and, and your career, those that's even, I think harder than, you know, oh, relationships sometimes to be successful in those areas. Oh yeah, absolutely. And again, like, I think friendship is like, I, I, th- I think friendship is sacred. I don't think we talk about it, focus on it nearly enough. And I think if you have solid friendships, there's probably tons of like treasure there to trove. Right. About who you are in the world aside from how you look. Right. And can you, can you think about those things and think like, yeah, this is what I'm going to put in my dating profile. Yeah. 
I show up, I'm supportive, I'm fun. I love watching this and that and the other. Like what, you know, I think when, when you're letting shame tell you who you are and how you appear to other people, you miss everything else. You're not actually missing out on the dating life or milestones. You're missing yourself. You're, you're minimizing yourself. You're making yeah. yourself small in, yeah. in one part of your life right. that you think should be different right? because of what society is telling you. Yep. Fuck that. And that's bullshit. Mm-hmm. Totally. And I think attraction grows from, from connection. A lot of the time, it doesn't have a lot to do with looks. Like I think we, we have been sold that idea because that's, that works commercially. Right. And we live in a capitalist society that is always trying to tell you that there's something that, about you that needs to be improved. Stop buying into that. Right. You know, and is there one thing you can find about the way that you look that you love? Right. It could be your fingernails. It could be your eyebrows. Like it doesn't have to be the whole thing. But I think if you start there and focus on that, then you can start building, you know? Right. Celebrate that. Yeah. Yeah. And and ho- and focus on the way that you feel when you are doing the things you love or surrounded by the people you love. Yeah. Live there. Yeah. And also I think to kind of build yourself, um, I don't know, like a trap door comes to mind, but a, a way to like, if, if you end up not in a relationship, how can you sort of like normalize that for yourself? Think about other people in the world in history who have had like incredibly rich lives without partners. That's, that's a real thing. And it's not a consolation prize. Right. You know, there's a lot of people out there who have lived the way that they've lived and contributed to the world in the way that they have precisely because they weren't in a partnership. Right. And you know, what else is, is interesting that's missing from the letter? Like, I have no idea what you want, which can also contribute to like the noise and the energy that you're putting out, right? If you're Mm -hmm. just sitting here waiting for someone to be attracted to you, then you might be really fuzzy on what you want from somebody else. What does a partnership right. look like to you? What are right. you attracted to? That's a great point. You're just, you're sitting back waiting for someone to deem you worthy. Right. Which is not how you got the friendships that you have or the career that you have. So why, why are you changing your approach with this? There's that exercise that I made up. It's in the book and we, we've talked about it once here. I think I made you do it actually the hundred other things. Yeah. I still have it. So do you really? <laughs> yeah. I look at it sometimes. It's helpful. Oh, I love that. Oh, yay. So this exercise is that like you take the things that you're afraid that you are and you put them on a piece of paper. And so was she said fat, what was it? What was she going to put on the, on the, on the dating? Masculine. Program? Fat, masculine, lonely. Put those on the on the yeah. piece of paper. Those are three things. You're reducing yourself to those three things. Now write a hundred other things. Yeah, that, that you, you are. are. Yeah, and the, you'll, what you'll notice is that even if those things are true and don't change, they are not what and who you are. Yeah, shame is fundamentally reductive, and we are we contain multitudes. Yep, that's Walt Whitman, not me, but I love it. It's good. (laughs) Stop playing small, you know? And I, and, and I also want to say that, like, I have a lot of clients going through like the dating, the dating sites are awful. And I, and I get that. And especially I think when you're in a place where you're feeling vulnerable, vulnerable about how you look, putting yourself up there and imagining rejection is just like horrifying. 
And so mm-hmm. could you do it another way? Could you think about joining some meetup groups? Do you want to take an art class? Can you like join a photography class or a meetup group that's based around, you know, going and seeing films together and meet some people outside of your kind of central friend group and see what happens? How do people respond to you when you don't go into a situation assuming that that everyone's going to reject you? Or, and you don't go into a situation thinking about like the white picket fence and everything you're supposed to right. have. Right. Take the pressure off. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of experiences do you want to have in your life? Right. I want to like fly to her house. I know. I think this idea though, that like we don't get to decide what we are to other people is really interesting. Like I've never really thought about that before today, but (laughs) you know what I mean? Like we, you go, this happens all the time. Like you go into a situation thinking like, I'm going to be annoying to this person or I'm going to be, I'm not going to be good at this job, blah, blah, blah. And we're putting that energy out. And then that contributes to the way that we show up. Right. So we show up and we're not comfortable in our own skin and people pick up on that and then they feel uncomfortable. And then of course they don't want to be around us more because they feel uncomfortable around us, you know? Right. But it's all like, so like, uh, you know, underneath the surface and sinister and you don't even realize that it's happening and they, they don't realize that it's happening. And it's, it's arrogant. Your anxiety is arrogant. It doesn't know. Right. It's just trying to protect you. Right. It doesn't know. You don't know whether you're attractive or how that's actually part of what's so interesting and mysterious about attraction. Like you don't know how other people see you and you never will. Right. Which is like creepy and awful, but also like kind of cool, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it is. But I think, yeah, I think you're right. It's the, whatever you are telling yourself, the story that you're telling yourself is the energy that you're putting out there. Right. Right. And you will get that back. Yes. And, and it's, it's not because like you're manifesting it's because you're showing up as a weirdo and then people feel weird around you. And then, you know, (laughs) like, right. I see clients do this when they go on dates all the time. And then we pick stuff apart and we look at text messages and I'm like, let me show you, let me, let me tell you how you are coming off right now. But how is it that people like, and listen, I did it myself. I'm not, I'm not saying other people, how is it that we all, um, can, compartmentalize like this and be a weirdo in one part of our lives and not be a weirdo in the rest of our lives. Like, how, how, you know, that, that's kind of fascinating. It is fascinating. I think it's because that's what shame does. Shame makes you a weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, yeah, I don't know. But it makes you a weirdo like uh, on, on one playing field, but then other playing fields, you're like, I'm not a weirdo. I'm actually like a good person. And, right, you know, right, right. I have all these things to, to all this feedback that lets me know that I'm a good person. But on this one field, I'm going to be a giant weirdo. Right. And then I'm going to wonder why this, I don't win at this game or, right. and, you know. Right. And then what, and then not winning is going to be my proof. Right. That I was right the whole time. That's like, that's, that's the sneaky. I hate, I hate this. Like, I want to take shame and just like flick it. Like, get the fuck out of here because that's what it does. Like, I'm trying to think of a, of a different example. But again, like I've seen clients do this all the time where like they are hilarious, beautiful, relatable, wonderful people, like legitimately, objectively a catch. And yeah. they have no success in the dating world because they get so worked up. I think this is actually really exacerbated by the apps but they find someone on the, on the app, they've, they've put up their, their best pictures 
And then they're, but then at the same time, they're worried that those pictures aren't really how they look. And then they've put up these things about themselves, but then they, what they don't put up on the website is what they're scared that people will notice that mm -hmm. they're anxious or they're not as smart as they are putting themselves off in writing or whatever. And so there's this huge buildup. And then you, and then on top of it, you put the other person on a pedestal because you assume everything that they are showing and saying is just hundred percent true because nobody right. is bad except you. Right. And then you get on this date and you, uh, are nervous and uncomfortable and saying weird things and anxious. And like, I think a huge amount of our communication happens aside from language. Yeah. Oh yeah. And so you're sitting there and you're thinking like, okay, I'm presenting myself exactly as I am. And you're not, that's not how you'd show up for, for a friend. Right. Not being able to like laugh or, you know, right. There's actually, this is a super stupid movie and I'm like almost embarrassed that I watched it, but it was with Amy Schumer. Did you see this oh, movie? No, I think I know what you're talking. Oh, maybe. I can't remember the name of it, but she like, she, she's trying to, it's like January 1st or something. And she, something has brought her to the gym and she does a cycling class. Cause she's trying to like, you know, lose 40 pounds and whatever. And she um, falls and hits her head. Yeah. And she, for whatever reason, like her brain injury <laughs> gets rid of the shame and she thinks she's the most attractive person in any room. And she yeah. is like automatically um, drawing people to her because she's so confident. Right. Cause that's the energy she's putting out, you know, right. and like that's, and then the movie kind of unravels and is dumb, but like that, that premise I think shows how much we are building into our engagements with one another when we come in with negative beliefs about ourselves. Think mm -hmm. about like how you would show up if you, like, if you got the assignment tomorrow that you were going to give a Ted talk mm -hmm. and you were like, Oh shit, I can knock this out of the park. I have so much to say. I know exactly what I'm going to wear. I'm going to show up. I'm just going to say it. It's going to be great. If you go into the Ted talk that way, you're going to probably knock it out of the park. Even if what you're saying is like, not that interesting. Right. But if you get that, that invitation and then you're like, I can't fucking do this. I don't know what I'm going to wear. I don't know what to say. I'm such an idiot. I'm bad at public speaking, which is what we all do. You're going to get up on that stage and you're going to be like, um, I, I don't really know anything, but I think that like, maybe this is interesting and yeah. nobody's going to watch. Yeah. What it's you a self-fulfilling prophecy. You show up. Right. What would you say? It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Exactly. Also, last thing you can do is ask your wonderful friends and coworkers for a list of things they love about you. Yeah. And just kind of bask in what comes back because some of it is going to be things you've expected, but some of it isn't. That's like the most fascinating part of this letter to me. Like that? that I'm successful in these two huge arenas, right. but not this one, this other one. Right. Like that's, you know, mm -hmm. That's bullshit. Mm -hmm. You're just. Yep. You've closed yourself off. You're on a different path and that's okay. I, I can't remember if I said this before, but I also think attraction grows. Yes, it does. Like, I think sometimes you're, you're friends with someone and you don't find them like you doesn't, it doesn't even register to you to find them attractive or not in the beginning. But then like, as you get to know them, right. Cause you're getting to know their authentic self, then you find yourself attracted to them. Right. It's a moving target. It is. You've bought into a lie. Let it go. Okay. Write us back. <laughs> yeah. Let us know, please. Let us know where you live. We'll come get you. And have we a think you're attractive. Yeah. You sound like a hoot. You do sound like a hoot. And thank you for writing. Yes.
Cause you're certainly not alone in this. Mm-mm. What, um, do you have a tiny little joy? I do. I, I don't think I've said this before, but maybe I have, I have been listening to audible. Oh yeah. Books, mm-hmm. um, in the car mm-hmm. when I'm driving and I have, I've decided that, um, like biographies are my thing and oh, they're what fun. I'm listening to. And it's so fascinating. And like, I've listened to, I have talked about this a little bit. I'm having deja vu. I just listened to the Prince Harry book. I listened to Katie Couric. Mm -hmm. I listened to um, this guy who has an English Springer Spaniel (laughs) who changed his life. Um, And right now I'm listening to, I think it's Jeanette McCurdy. Um, I'm glad my mom died. And I, I love to hear people's stories. Like it's my favorite thing in the whole world to like tuck in and, and be able to listen to someone's story and what they're willing to share. And I find it so um, fascinating and touching and it's such a vulnerable place and I'm so appreciative and I, I just, I get a lot from it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they're all very different obviously, but it's, I, I've, I'm just really, really enjoying it and think I'm going to keep doing it for as long as it makes me happy forever. Yeah. I love that. I love other people's stories as well. And there's something about like when a, when a story is written, yeah, that is so comforting because even if it's not over yet, you get this like cohesion that then feels like it can reflect back onto life and your story, you know? Right. Right. I'm fascinated uh, that people can remember so much. <laughs> You know, and they're so detailed. You do. I think you do. Yeah. Really like, you know, childhood, like memories, like, you know, that are um, very detailed and very like, I'm impressed by that. Mm -hmm. Totally. You know? Yeah. And I think it's really hard to make a judgment of someone when you've heard their story. Oh yeah, for sure. You know? People can say, you know, a Prince Harry, I know is a huge topic right now. Listen to the whole story and then, and then talk to me. But, you know, it's, it's, um, I'm grateful that, that that these people have, are willing to share this. Mm -hmm. Totally. I'm mad. I don't know. I don't know the Prince Harry thing because I haven't read it, but I, I'm mad that people like, who the fuck are you to decide that this person is, you know what I mean? You don't know fuck about shit. Like you, you, you really, you don't. And it, you know, there's no way that you can listen to his life and what he's been through and um, not perfectly understand mm-hmm. um, where he is now and how he feels. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you know, I don't know him obviously, but I, you know, I, you don't weird. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I do, but. Um, it, you you can't judge that. You you can't you have not walked in his shoes. You don't understand. I think if you are still judging, if you read the book and you're still judging, I think you should really look at that and where that's coming from because it's right. That's that's pernicious. Exactly. There's one other one I'm leaving out. Katie Kirk, Prince Harry. Um Oh, Viola Davis. Oh yeah. Loved that. What a story. My God. There's also something about being read to. Yes. You know, like I've also like, I've heard so many people are like, I'll, I'll ask someone, Oh, did you read it? Whatever. Did you read X, Y, or Z? And they're like, Oh, I listened to the audiobook. Like you read it friend. 
I get more when I, I, I mean, I read books when I'm falling asleep, which is probably not a good time to do it. Cause it like a, a lot does. of it, it does, but it doesn't absorb. And I'm kind of right. famous for like starting a book that I've already read and getting a hundred pages in and being like, ah, oh, I think I know what happens next. But, um, when I listen to it, it like sinks in more. Yep. I get more out of it. Yep. 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 But anyway, anyway. that was long. No, I love that. That's a great tiny little joy. Um, mine is sort of similar, which is that I listen to. So I've been a huge fan of um, true crime stuff, and kind of recently had to take a break because <laughs> yeah, me what too. You listen to does actually impact you know your thought process and stuff. And I was like getting. I mean, paranoid is the wrong uh, the wrong word, but I was getting like more nervous than I should be about serial killers. <laughs> <laughs> So I was, I got very into the Paul Holes book this summer and all of his cold cases. I'm like, oh man, cold cases mean those people could potentially still be out here anyway. But I recently listened to the Tylenol murders. Oh, I remember that. Do you? Was it oh yeah. The year that I was born. It was in Chicago. There was yeah. a guy who put cyanide in extra strength Tylenol capsules. Yeah. And yeah. it was just... There's something so like engrossing about these stories. You know, I put them on when I'm like cleaning or like doing, you know, grading or doing stuff that's like a little bit where I can kind of like do two things at once. And it's just so, I don't know. Yeah. Does it get into him and why he did it? Um, I don't want to give away okay. stuff, but they do, they go into a lot of possible reasons that someone might have done that. And like with any story, you start thinking it's going to be simple and then it kind of like meanders and goes in totally unexpected directions. And it was just really, it was really interesting. There's something also about the fact that it happened so long ago. Yeah. That made it a little bit more like comforting. And I'm not saying it's not awful. It's awful for the families. It's awful. It's an awful thing. Um, I don't want to minimize that, but, and it's, um, I don't know. It kind of brought back a thing that I used a lot during the pandemic and during difficult years in my life to like get through, you know? What do you mean? Like I, I, I listened to the entire catalog of my favorite murder when, oh, started, oh, oh. starting when the pandemic started. <laughs> I thought you meant Tylenol. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Tylenol is also great, but, um, and that's also those, that case is why we have tamper proof tops. Oh, that changed everything, that case. Yeah, yeah. I remember that vividly when it was on the news every single night. It was terrifying. Yeah, because they didn't you know. know. No. Yeah. No. And the only reason they figured out what it was this is in, the, in episode one is because it took out like half a family in one day. Oh, God. Because one of them got home, took the Tylenol, died immediately. They all went to the hospital. The whole family came back. Of course you have a headache. It's a terrible day. You two right. other people took a Tylenol. Jesus. I know. It, which again, it's awful. I don't want to minimize that, but um, it was just really fascinating. We are, we are fascinating, endlessly fascinating creatures. Yep. All right. I'm going to listen to that next. Okay. Yeah. Who's good. Okay. Um, Thank you for listening. Uh, please rate, review, subscribe. Um, and if you want to have your story featured, email us at thetraumatapes at gmail.com or you can um, DM me on Instagram. I am at mc.phd. We will talk to you next week. Thanks. Bye.